bad. I've never wanted to quit so bad in my life at an Ironman. And the only thing that I heard in my head was my husband telling me, Jen Rulon doesn't quit. And he's right. If I quit, I couldn't go and talk to my niece and she'd be like, well, Aunt Jennifer, why did you quit? Well, because it was hard. Because I had a flat tire, because I bonked. What I've realized too now is that my goal is to inspire others to really raise the bar within their own life. And that's what I felt like I did at Ironman. I got moves I ain't made yet. I got shows I ain't played yet. I got trips I ain't take yet. I got time I ain't fade yet. I got songs I ain't made yet. I got foes I ain't faced yet. I got hands I ain't shake yet. I got plans I ain't made yet. I got moves I ain't made yet. I got shows I ain't played yet. I mean, I left SeaWorld. I left a full-time job with benefits to go back to get my master's degree at 40 years old so I can figure out what's going on internally for athletes. It was a lot easier to go swim, bike, and run 140.6 miles 14 times than to sit with myself telling myself that you're okay, that you are enough, that you are worth every step that you walk. Sometimes it's getting to a point where it's just exhausting, where it's just like, why do I have to have a next? Why can't I just enjoy what I have? It would just be really great to just sit and take it all in and be like, yeah, I'm good. Listen, I did it, I did it, I did it. I've been in these trenches a minute. To the end of the earth, I'm a witness. From Egypt, I'm way down to Sydney. I'm still hungry like I never ate. I'm making ways where it ain't the way. That is Jen Rulon. I'm Andrew Connect, and this is the Unpretentious Podcast. Coach Jen didn't let growing up in landlocked Wisconsin stop her from achieving her goal of training killer whales. She saw Polynuba Frazier finish an Ironman and thought, if she can do that, I can do it. 28 years later, after missing that dream by 84 seconds a decade earlier, she went to Kona as an Ironman. A TED Talk, and finally facing something she couldn't control, which was having four miscarriages, she reflects on her life that is always full of achieving, but now that achieving is approached in a different way as she shares what she has learned about herself. I have always been a person who has been a go-getter, a goal-setter. I've always been interested in marine mammals. I've always been interested in whales and dolphins and that type of thing. And in seventh grade, I remember watching a six-week like Disney series with Sean Weatherly. I think she was Miss Universe, don't quote me. But she was swimming with whales, she was swimming with penguins, she was swimming with sharks. And what I realized is that I thought to myself, well, if she can do it, I can do it, right? Mm. So that's sort of what triggered my mind and my goals to become a marine mammal trainer. And so most of my younger years and college years was all based on trying to become a marine mammal trainer. The number of people who actually do that, I know, are not that many. And then to be growing up in Wisconsin, did that become a reality? It sure did. I actually worked in the marine mammal field for almost 14 years. Hmm. A lot of people told me, 
I was crazy that how can I train killer whales or dolphins or whatever or sea lions when I'm in Wisconsin and it, it was me pretty much saying well it's very simple I move <laughs> or I you know and I think and I th- you and I've talked about this before but I think what I've realized is that so many adults tend to put fear in children mm. and then as kids grow up they hear that oh you can't do that oh that's silly why would you go swim with mm. marine mammals you live in wisconsin well mm-hmm. i was able to do it because i put my mind to it and i said well yeah i'm gonna go make it happen it's quite simple so i received my undergraduate degree at the university of wisconsin whitewater the division three i received biology degree with a psychology minor everything that we do with the marine mammals was psychology based mm. And I had an internship at Minnesota Zoo with bottlenose dolphins. They don't have them there anymore. I then moved down to Gulfport, Mississippi for two years. I worked with dolphins and sea lions down there. And then I moved over to San Antonio, Texas and worked at SeaWorld. And I was there for almost 12 years. There's many goals you could have chased after. Like, how was that one that so stood out to you? It was something that I wanted to do. I wanted Hmm. to experience what marine mammals were like. I wanted to understand about them. I mean, they were neat-looking animals. I'm a water baby, so Hmm. to me, I thought, well, shoot, I can work with animals, I can play in the water, and I can have fun with them, and that's exactly what we did. And I think it was because I was different. It was a different goal. It wasn't me being a teacher or a doctor or a lawyer. To me, it was something that I wanted to do versus what I had to do. Yeah, it sounds like something just innate in you. What was working with the killer whale like? That just seems so fun. Like, what was your actually experience of you by yourself are getting in the water with yeah. this animal that is so much bigger and powerful than you? How, right. what is that like? So here's the thing. Let me back up a little bit. Like, I worked my way up to Killer Whale Stadium to work Mm -hmm. with the killer whales. So I worked with beluga whales and dolphins. I worked with sea lions, walruses, and otters. So I got a lot of on-hands training at SeaWorld. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had my degree, but a lot of things that we did with the animals, you reinforce the good, you Mm -hmm. ignore the incorrect behavior. Very basic child psychology is really what it is basic psychology for all of us that was the one thing that we did with our animals that's a lot how a lot of people train mm-hmm. there there were days that whether i was working with a killer whale whether i was working with the beluga whale or a walrus or a sea lion there were days that it was amazing i mean it was the best job on the earth it mm-hmm. was wonderful but then there were other days that it was a job it was uh sure. you were scrubbing buckets you were, it's 40 degrees out and you're scrubbing buckets and your hands are freezing and you just got out of the water because you had to do a show for 20 people. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was a job, but but working with those killer whales, they had good days and they have not so good days, just like human beings, just like beluga whales and sea lions and walruses and otters. There were days that maybe I was supposed to get in the water with them because because we had a show, but if one of the whales were like, you know what, I'm not feeling it. Like, I mean, obviously don't say that, but you Mm -hmm. just sort of observe, you watch a lot with the uh, animals. You start developing a relationship with them. It was a pretty amazing job. 
to say the least. If I saw you day one, you're, well, the first time you're getting into train, like, and I see you climbing over that wall or whatever it is to get in the water, I'm thinking you are insane. And then when you make it out alive and you actually did something, I'm thinking you're a genius. <laughs> Was this a huge adrenaline rush to get in there with something that much bigger than you? And it's like, uh, and eventually it became normal. Did it ever blow your mind that you're getting this big animal to push you through the water or throw you yeah. in? What is, was that insane or no? It was, but I think because I was in the marine mammal field for years, I saw a lot of people working with the killer whales and swimming with them. And so I didn't think it, became, it mm. now don't get me wrong. It was pretty effing cool <laughs> to be under the water with them and you see them and things like that. Here's the thing. I know a lot of people are very negative towards marine mammals and the care of man or whatever that might be. But as an animal trainer, I went into that job every single day providing my best for them with what we had. Mm-hmm. Did, did I want bigger pools for those killer whales? In a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Did I want bigger pools for the blue whales and the dolphins? 100% I did. But what we had at SeaWorld or what they still have is what we have to work with. So when I went into my job every single day, I thought to myself, what am I going to do for these animals today to make their lives better? And all those trainers that are still at SeaWorld to this day have that same mindset. Yeah, and I get there's a larger conversation. I just, for me, that's yeah. just like, what an accomplishment to that someone has the nerves to do that. That seems to me that's just fantastic. Going back to that fear point you mentioned on where a lot of you know kids are told you can't do this or everything's always like, and it's true, you know, you don't want your kid wandering out in traffic, so you do need to teach them. <laughs> right. right there. But for you, how do you respond when someone tells you you can't do that? What does that make you feel like? <laughs> I pretty much prove them wrong and tell mm. them that I can. <laughs> I am that way. If people tell me I can't do it, mm. or if somebody tells me that, oh, that's crazy, or why would you do that, or you can't do that, well, I pretty much say, you know what? Let me let me show you that I can. What about someone who they don't respond the way you do? How could they learn from you if someone's like, you can't do that, and their reaction is almost to be in, not intimidated in silence, but just be like, oh, yeah, you're probably right. How does someone kind of develop what naturally comes to you, which is you tell me All I can't right. do this. This is just motivation for me to do it. How does someone who struggles with that, I'm more asking from that standpoint. If somebody says, I can't do that, or whatever that might be, and you respond and say, yeah, I agree or whatever. I think people need to have their own voice. Mm. Maybe kids or adults, when they've been told not to do something, or like you said, don't touch your hand on the burner, don't cross the the road with the cars in place like that. But I think I think people need to start having a voice of why they can't. Mm. Shouldn't you ask yourself, well, why couldn't I? Mm-hmm. People just assume, oh, yeah, you're right. Maybe I can't. I would say turn around and say, well, why Why are you saying that? I would start questioning the people. Maybe people who don't have the same mindset you do, they're just more trusting of quotes and quotes authority. That if someone in a white right. coat or someone who's called an expert says something, they just, okay. And yeah for you that's not good and okay they may be an expert but explain to me in a way I can understand this kind of yes you got that exactly and it's interesting because I think about 
a lot of the quote unquote experts online and, and people will even reach out to me about things about nutrition and all mm -hmm. that stuff. And, and a while back I decided to go dairy free and a woman that lived in Wisconsin to go dairy free. I mean, that's just <laughs> not, that's not the combination, but I've done it. And somebody said to me, they're like, Oh, well you can't have eggs. And I go, mm, yeah, I can. They're, they're not dairy. Well, yeah, they're in the dairy section. Oh. It's like, no, they're not, but they're not made from a mama's milk, you know, like a, mm -hmm. uh, a cow, like, or a goat or whatever, like that's dairy. Like it was interesting because somebody who was an expert told this woman mm. she couldn't have eggs because it was dairy. And mm. she, she thought that for seven years. They just assume, oh, well, I shouldn't do that because so-and-so says that. They don't question it. I would ask questions like, well, why, why are you saying I shouldn't do that? And you might be surprised what other people say. Or maybe they don't even have an answer. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of cool because you are a coach. You are an expert in some areas where people rely on you. So that's cool that you're teaching them to think for themselves. How did your whole Ironman journey, how did that all begin? Once again, it was 1989. I was watching the Mark Allen, Dave Scott showdown. I saw those guys running. I think they were running like a crazy insane, like under six minute miles. Here, these guys come in approximately about the same time. Everybody that did that Ironman that day, the 2000 people or whatever that might be, they all swam, bike and ran, swam 2.4 miles, ran, biked 112, ran 26.2. And the cool thing was an hour later is the first female shows up. Mm. And if you think about what happened to me in seventh and eighth grade regarding my marine mammal training. Here I am in 89 going into my college years. I see this woman cross the finish line to Ironman Hawaii and she won Paula Newby Frazier. And I thought, well, shoot, if she can do it, I can do it. <laughs> you know? and, and it was just that whole mindset of like of women inspiring me to become a better human being, to become a better person, to become a better athlete. So anyways, I uh, told myself, I told my mom, I told my grandpa, I said, hey, by the time I'm 30, I'm going to do that Ironman. And at that point, I wanted to do Ironman Hawaii. Well, I didn't realize how hard it was to get to Hawaii mm -hmm. until I started doing Ironmans. Anyways, long story short, I did my first Ironman by the time I was 30, because that's what that I put that goal down and that's what Jen needs to do. <laughs> age 30 you started racing how many years was it till you actually made it to Kona when I said I was going to do t Kona it was in 89 when I actually did Kona was 2017 so it was a 28 year old dream and at one point you missed Kona by 84 seconds what was that By 84 seconds it was you know and it's so interesting because I think about big picture wise so I did Ironman Wisconsin 2002. I took a year break. 2003, I I met my soon-to-be husband at the time. You know, I'm sure we were in love and didn't want to do all that long training, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and then we both decided to do an Ironman. I decided to do Ironman Brazil because I already had that on my radar mm. before he and I met. So I did Ironman Brazil in May of 2004, and then we did Ironman Florida together in 2004. That was his first Ironman. Ironman Brazil, it was my second Ironman, and I placed 
ninth in my age group. I went to go to roll down to mm. get a slot, right? Mm-hmm. I went to the award ceremony. Mm-hmm. They call out the first woman. I think the first woman took it. The second girl didn't show up. Third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh were not there. The eighth person took that slot and just screamed like, oh my gosh, I'm going to Hawaii. Oh. like, oh my gosh. And so when we got, I remember going back home and looking at the results and I thought, oh my God, she was 84 seconds ahead of me. (laughs) But here's the thing, and this is something that I look at. If I would have went to Kona in 04, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. Really? No. Why is that? I feel that if I went to Kona, I would have been like, okay, I don't need to go back. I'm good. Mm. Right now, I mean, it's my world. I'm a triathlon coach. I coach other coaches to build their business and their brand in the, in the triathlon world, in the space. I mean... I left SeaWorld, I left a full-time job with benefits to go back to get my master's degree at 40 years old so I can figure out what's going on internally for athletes to get my master's in kinesiology. I don't know if, if I would be where I am today if I got that slot in Brazil. So something really speaks to you about having a goal and not being able to reach it like that just that just puts more fuel on the fire for you 100 percent, 100 percent. so if you'd gotten that your first year and you made it to kona then it's like well iron man's not that imp- you know i did it it's done right hmm. right yeah oh, that's, a, that's a good point i like your thinking <laughs> certain people are wired certain ways we all take for granted what comes easily right so if you have to, oh, some right. of us do i mean some people they just want the praise and if they can if everyone can say they're amazing then they'll do it and if that involves like you know people who cheat on marathons and they jump on a subway and then they, oh my gosh right? right like to you and i that seems insane like it's like what, that defeats the whole purpose but for them it's, they're motivated by something different so i guess Different people are wired different ways, but for you, that's a that's just part of your personality. Of again, it sure is. Mm-hmm. Yep, it sure is. And so then, like you're saying, you it took you all this extra effort, and you eventually you did TED talks. What was your TED talk about? I did, I did, I did a TEDx talk. So first of all, when I first learned about TEDx talks, it was uh, Simon Sinek's mm-hmm. finding um, finding start, the why. Start with um, why. Mm-hmm. Start with why. Yeah, and. I saw that and I was like, oh my God, that's genius. And Mm. so then I started getting obsessed with TEDx talks and I thought, hey, I want to do one. (laughs) (laughs) Again, someone's doing it. Why can't I? (laughs) (laughs) So funny. This this podcast is great because I'm actually learning a lot about myself. (laughs) All of a sudden, like, I was like, oh, I want to do a TEDx talk. And I started applying. And at one point, the TEDx talk was going to be about being a female in the athletic space. But it changed drastically, and actually, the TEDx talk was more about why I gravitated towards doing Ironman. Mm. And you could watch my TEDx talk. It's under 10 minutes. It was pretty much me trying to get my dad's attention. Mm. Because sports was very huge in our family, whether it was football, basketball, baseball, hockey, right? It was Mm -hmm. your typical my dad and my brother having that bond 
And that bond was so strong with those two mm. through sports mm -hmm. that I craved that attention with my dad. And so, but the thing is, I didn't play football, basketball, baseball, hockey. Mm. But I thought to myself, subconscious, or really not thinking about it, but I thought, if I can get his attention in maybe this extreme sport, then maybe he and I will have that bond. It's funny because I said to my husband, I said, oh, great. I'm going to be considered, and I have daddy issues. Uh, you you're you're pigeonholed in, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, but then what I realized is why I did what I was doing for a long time for the Ironman. I became a much better athlete because I figured that out. After I crossed the finish line, I realized I didn't need my dad's attention anymore. I didn't need that validation. Mm. I, I got it through myself by showing to myself that I can do an Ironman, I can do this event, and I don't, I, I didn't need that validation from dad anymore. I would have presumed that a lot of daughters are going to want their dad's attention, but I don't know, like you're saying. 100%. Right, but for you, you weren't even on your conscious level, you weren't even aware that this was driving you or, you know, I want this Correct. bond, but the way I know to get the bond is by, he likes sports. Through sports. Mm -hmm. How would you raise someone's level of awareness or how did you gain that awareness around this is really what's driving me? Do a TEDx talk. <laughs> <laughs> Not everyone's such a go-getter as you. So, <laughs> I mean, honestly, that was like the best therapy to figure that out. How would I... Or why is it even worth it? To, like someone like yourself, you're very goal-driven. Why slow down and take time to ask why am I doing something? Isn't that just going to get in the way of your goals? No, because it's going to motivate you more. You're going to understand why you do what you do. As an Ironman triathlete, it's bloody hard to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning to go swim in 80-degree water when it's 30 degrees out. Mm. It's hard to jump on that bike when you know you might get hit by a car. You could think of all these negative things mm -hmm. getting ready for an Ironman. But if you know the big picture of why you're doing something, whether it's doing an Ironman, whether it's running your 5K, whether it's lifting weights, whether it's starting a new job, if you know the why behind it, going back to the Simon Sinek, it makes the goal setting or it makes that job, whether it's an Ironman or an actual job, so much easier because you know, you know what's going on. That's a good way of putting it. And it just so happened that for you, you came to this realization that while you may have started doing the Ironman for one reason, you found an even deeper why that allowed you to continue on rather than quit. Correct. Yes, we briefly talked about Ironman Florida before the podcast, and Ironman Florida was my 14th Ironman. Mm. It was, Andrew, I wanted to quit so bad. Mm. I've never wanted to quit so bad in my life at an Ironman. Mm. And the only thing that I heard in my head was my husband telling me, Jen Rulon doesn't quit. <laughs> and he's right. If I quit... I couldn't go and talk to my niece and she'd be like, well, Aunt Jennifer, why did you quit? Well, because it was hard, because I had a flat tire, because I bonked. Mm. I couldn't go to my followers online and be like, well, Jen, why did you quit? Um, 
because I don't want to inspire you guys anymore. (laughs) You know, know, like I think, I think, um, but yeah, I think my, what I've realized too now is that my goal is to inspire others to really raise the bar within their own life. And that's what I felt like I did at Ironman Florida a couple weekends ago. It's really interesting to me like that, that just defines you in one sense where it's like, I do not quit. That's what you hold on to. So what about those times in your life when there were things outside of your control that forced you to quit on a goal you had when this is so antithetical to what you are? Chris and I, my husband, we try to have children. Mm. And it didn't happen. I ended up having four miscarriages. I say four. I think one of them was a, hey, you're pregnant. And within like two days, it was like, no, you're not type of thing. So I don't know Mm. if it was a full on uh, miscarriage, but I had three miscarriages and then I did all the tests. I did everything and anything you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And it just didn't happen for us. Mm. And we even went to a specialist and I was sitting there and I was looking around and I, I walked out after the first initial meeting and I said to Chris, I go, you know what, this, us not having a child so much bigger than what I can control. And I said, if we're going to have a child, it's going to happen two ways, the natural way or adoption. Mm-hmm. And so we never went back to the specialist because to me, it didn't feel right. Mm. And don't get me wrong, if people do that, by all means, everybody has their own story and journey. journey, So I would never, whatever is best for these people, but for me Mm -hmm. and for Chris, for Chris and I, we just said, you know what? We're messing up something that is so much bigger than us that we just have to let it come naturally. And we did, and we didn't have children. Yeah, it sort of sucked. And I went to therapy (laughs) about it because to me, I felt like a failure. Mm. And it was really hard. It was really hard. I can't imagine. Like, yeah, I think everyone gets how important that is something you want so preciously and then to not mm-hmm. get it, especially with your personality type, which is yeah. I, I don't care if I'm in the middle of farmland, if I want to train marine mammals, right, it's, I'm, I'm going to move. We can make this happen for you, especially. I mean, that that is not only is there, I want to have a kid, that aspect is so powerful, but then combine that with uh, you're someone who, when you set your mind to something, you don't quit and you get things done. What did you learn about yourself? I'm a lot stronger than I think. Hmm. Don't get me wrong. I did go to therapy for a year because of how hard it was for me. Because like I said, I felt like a failure. Life is not a box of chocolates, roses, puppies, and kittens life happens and you got to figure out how to how to deal with it Mm -hmm. i personally for that probably six months did not deal with it as well as i should have i call it i went into my cave Mm -hmm. i was probably depressed and i didn't know that then but looking back i was probably in a depressed state and so what did i do i i worked out for Mm -hmm. previously Mm -hmm. the great thing about things like this heartaches injuries time heals all wounds and i am oh i'm gonna get emotional on you andrew and i am so much stronger Hmm. because of what i went through 
during those miscarriages. And that was one of the first times you've had to quote, some quotes, face failure. I mean, it's not a failure, but in yeah. your mind, this was, I have to admit I'm a failure is what you had to deal with. Yep. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I think admitting, and you know, and I wouldn't say maybe not a failure, but maybe. That's what it felt like to you though. But that's to... what it felt like to me for sure. Yeah. yeah. 100%. In reality, as I've grown older and have learned more about myself and have changed my mindset and my ways, I'm not a failure mm -hmm. by any means, mm -hmm. but nobody is. And I think so many people put so much pressure on themselves that if they didn't get that A or they didn't pass that test or you didn't have a child, you're not mm -hmm. a failure. No, it's just a lesson learned learn about it and then take that lesson and put it into something else that's going to be a positive. Mm. So one of the things that experience forced you to do was kind of go deeper on figuring out where you got your worth or value from. 100 percent. And then a, that's kind of a similar journey to your Ironman experience where it started off as this was something about getting my worth from outside myself, either my father or others, and then it turned into you know, looking within yourself. Right. I'm kind of curious, as much as, you know, it felt like a failure, how did you, how have you handled success like getting to Kona and you've finally made it to Kona and you finished that race? What were your feelings like there? Oh, well, if you see my finisher pictures, I was bawling like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> to get there is extremely hard. So last year, 2017, Chris and I had Chris and I did Ironman Mont Tremblant. We both qualified at Ho for Hawaii at Tremblant. So eight weeks later, we had to do Hawaii. Mm -hmm. So within two months, you're doing two Ironmans, right? Mm -hmm. And I get out there and I had this goal in mind, like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go under 12 hours. I'm going to totally crush it, blah, <laughs> blah, blah. And I get to mile 15 on the run and I literally crashed and burned. Mm -hmm. I just was like, why am I pushing so hard? Mm. I'm here. Like <laughs> The goal was for Mike Riley to say, Jen, do you want to go to Kona? Uh -huh. And he did. And I'm here. So at mile 15, I looked at the sunset mm. as I was running into the energy lab. And all of a sudden, I just took a deep breath in and said, you're fine. Mm. You're going to finish. When I let all my expectations go out on that race course, Hmm. I just opened up the floodgates and I just started bawling. Holy cow, I accomplished my dream, my 28-year-old dream. And so 28 years you've achieved this. Was there also a angle of like, what's next? Oh, there's still that angle. <laughs> it was interesting because 2018 was all about what's next. And everybody's like, well, what's next? What are you going to do? Are you going to retire? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do hmm. that? It's like, shut up. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. And so I kept very quiet with my training and my mm. racing this year. A lot of people knew I was doing Ironman Florida. And here was the thing. The goal for Ironman Florida was to go into Ironman Florida before they moved it to Haines City. Was to have the best race I've ever had in my Ironman career and then retire from long distance Ironman. But that didn't happen. <laughs> Somebody else has other plans for me. I don't know what they are. 
even in in late 2017 out on the queen k about mile 90 i'm like oh my god my back is killing me <laughs> now granted it could be the fact that i was at mile 90 in in hawaii coming mm-hmm. down a volcano but it just was different like all of a sudden i was like god something's up with my back i didn't think anything of it until the end of the year in december I did something to my back. I went to the doctor because I couldn't flip turn in the mm. pool because mm-hmm. I was in so much pain. Long story short, I had three bulging discs. Mm. Who knows when I got that? I could have gotten that five years down the road, 10 years down the road. But the point is, is that I pissed them off. I could tell. I took a good three solid months mm. of not training because I had to recover. Looking back now, I think that was probably the best thing for me because mm. I would have kept going. I'd have kept going and said, okay, I'm done with Kona. Okay, what's next? This year was a year of healing. I kind of wanted to explore that idea of keep going. It seems very difficult to know what you actually enjoy by itself as opposed to I'm going to be chasing this dream or I'm fearful of losing. That question of what you actually enjoy by itself, for itself, regardless of outside validation, regardless of a thousand people are watching or no one's watching, what would you just do Mm -hmm. by it? That seems like a very, very hard question to to answer and to get a why. Like, you know, start with why. It's like, well, what's something you right. enjoy regardless? How do you know what's worth keeping going for? How do you ever know if you have the goal you're chasing is worth getting? Did you ever see Matthew McConaughey's speech after he, was it the Oscars that he won? I heard about it. Yeah, that he was chasing something, chasing something ahead or looking forward to. And he was always chasing his better self. Hmm. I thought that was genius. I could sit there and say, this is what I'm going to do next, and this is what I'm going to do next. I think as I've gotten older, I'm always going to be chasing my better self. So I'll take the Mm -hmm. quote from Matthew McConaughey. I'll always be chasing my better self. But at one point in my life, and I don't know when that will be, whether it's five months from now or 50 years from now, I hope that I'll get to look back and say, you did pretty good. I hope, I hope for myself that I will be able to, gosh, I'm trying to think, how do I say this? I hope I'll stop chasing myself. I see. So the idea of arriving where you've somehow gotten this stamp of approval, however that comes, that's, yeah, I see. I've had conversations with this, with a couple of girlfriends who were always trying to do the whole, like, what's next, what's next, what's next. Mm -hmm. And it's getting to, sometimes it's getting to a point where it's just exhausting. Where it's just like, why do I have to have a next? Why can't I just enjoy what I have? And that's where I'm really, that's what I would love to have in my life and just be very present and be very happy with what we have and not worry about what when's the next Ironman or not worried mm-hmm. about when's my next 5k or something like that. It would just be really great to just sit and take it all in and be like, yeah, I'm good. And I think that's an awesome question to ask for you. Like the Ted talk kind of force you to reflect, or if you have a physical injury, those times are kind of forcing right. you to reflect what would you say to 
a younger girl, younger guy who they're they're just like you and they're driven. They have these things they want to achieve and they're going after them. This is not at all to discourage that. It's like, yeah, knock your dreams no, out. Right. Go for it. Like, totally, you can achieve it. What could your message be? You've gone through so many experiences of achieving your dreams and then chasing other dreams. You've, you've mm-hmm. accomplished so much, done so much. What do you have to share with them in regards to, hey, Hey, driven person. (laughs) I'm speaking specifically to someone who doesn't need advice about getting off the couch and getting things done. I'm talking to someone who, by default, they have to be doing. What would you kind of say to someone like that? I would tell them that they are enough. Hmm. Regardless of failure or success? Yep. You're enough. I think so many people put so much pressure on themselves to succeed to whatever that might be and as human beings I think we Mm. tend to put pressure on ourselves Mm -hmm. if I could tell my younger self if I could tell somebody that's just like me who's younger than me if I can tell high school girls junior high girls whatever that might be to tell them that they are enough and they may not understand what I'm saying Mm -hmm. they may not get that but they will and so for you some of those dark moments that was the question you had to sit and face am I enough without achieving this goal yeah. Because by default, it's like moving across the country, putting extra time at the gym. That was much easier than having to sit and grapple wow. with. Wow. 100%. Mm. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Mm. It was a lot easier to go swim, bike, and run 140.6 miles mm. 14 times than to sit with myself, telling myself that you're okay, mm. that you are enough, that you are worth every step that you walk that sounds awesome you've achieved that but it also sounds terrifying to face that how do you help someone understand that facing that thing which so they don't want to look at was that actually beneficial for you why is that a good part of your life very beneficial for me i think it's brought me who i am today why not keep chasing and achieving why why are you glad you had to face this question of, am I worth it? Oh, trust me, I'm going to still keep chasing and going. Oh, I understand. The chasing my better self is so much easier because I realize that I am worth it. Mm. Kind of like your story at Kona, the pressure to have to finish in a certain time to make the Kona experience worthwhile is now gone because you're just stopping looking at the sunset and enjoying that you're there. Yep. Mm. Even when I was going into the energy lab, I literally saw a woman collapsing in a cop's arms. Hmm. And I was yelling at the people I was as I was going through the aid station because the music was so loud. I had to stop and say, you need the ambulance back there. When I saw that and then I saw that sun coming down, it was that whole, I'm here. I'm in a much bigger place than I can ever imagine. So however you look at it, whether it's your universe, your God, whatever your beliefs are, Mm -hmm. there's a much bigger world 
And if I can make an impact by learning to chase my better self, but understand that I don't need to because I found that self-worth already, I don't know. <laughs> like, that's going really deep, isn't it? It is, especially as a coach. That's so cool that you have these experiences you can share with others and trying to find a way to communicate to them. Yeah. Like, again, like for your personality type of tell me what I can't do and I'm on it. Give right. me a goal. I'm driven. I get things done. It's like I want, you know, control over things, setting yeah. a goal. Do not like, you know, fear-based. Probably don't like conflict. Yeah. So for your personality type, one of the big kind of lessons I'm hearing you say you've learned is like reflecting and asking yourself why that has opened mm -hmm. up things that for you were very valuable. Right. Funny because there was a time in my life that not only did I want to be a marine mammal trainer, but I wanted to be on Broadway. Mm. I wanted to sing and dance and all that stuff. And I couldn't sing, I couldn't dance, but by all means, like I wanted to be on Broadway. And I remember I'd go to all these Broadway shows and, and I still do to this day, like I'm obsessed with it. And I remember going to see the Lion King and I go, Oh my gosh, I could totally be the giraffe. <laughs> you know, I just, <laughs> I just jokingly, I was like, they just moved the arms and the legs, and I, I think I could do that. Long story short, I was taking dance classes. I really was. Like, this was I, this was in 07. Mm -hmm. So I was taking dance classes, and I think I was taking a break from Ironmans at the time, right? Mm -hmm. and I went online, and I found that there was an open audition for The Lion King. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, my gosh. And so I, I contacted my husband, and he goes, okay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> knowing full well that i had no experience in the dance and the singing world i mean i got an okay voice right and he goes okay well if you are that serious about going he's like put together a budget and let's figure it out and i said okay mm -hmm. so like i had a free frequent flyer i had points for a hotel so then i didn't need much money i remember calling my mom and saying, Mom, I'm going to audition for The Lion King in Atlanta, Georgia. And she's like, Jenny, that's crazy. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I said, why is it crazy, Mom? She's like, well, you don't know how to dance. And I go, yeah, I do. <laughs> she's like, well, you don't know how to sing. I'm like, I know how to sing. I go, I'm not very good at either one of them, but I'm going to go try. Mm. It was that aha moment in my life. And I realized that a lot of people and a lot of adults put fear base on kids because they are afraid of failure. Don't let fear drive you into not doing something you love. Mm. Oh my gosh, like if I listened to everybody that told me I couldn't, I would still be in Wisconsin, maybe flipping burgers at Dairy Queen, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't know, like if I would have listened to people because they were scared of failure, then I wouldn't be where I am today. Life is too dang short. Mm. Too dang short. Just turned 47 and I thought, gosh, I've done a lot. Mm -hmm. But I still have a whole bunch of more life to live. But I'm going to live it how I want to live it and not based off of everybody else's living. I lost more games than you'll ever get to play. You should pay attention. 